0: I have given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. Hello and welcome to, you'll probably agree, I'm Batman. And I'm surrounded. I had to kick all the bats out of the bat cave because apparently they spread COVID-19. I finally accomplished my full mission. I defeated all my enemies. But now I am my own worst enemy. And I knew that if I killed I would be I would go to a place I could never return from And now I've killed A third of the world's population With COVID-19 It wasn't my fault It was the bats And now I don't know what Alfred gave me I think it was a fishy swell soup I said it wrong, I don't care And I'm dying well, Hello, Mr. everyone, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. <laughs> I'm I, Mike Crawley, and uh, get the shit off of me. <laughs> and today I'm with my good friend Ian Simmons from kickingtheseat.com. Uh How are you today, Ian?
1: I'm doing well. I'm ready to talk about Batman 89. I'm here
0: in my bat robe. As yeah. It were. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's all good. Uh, but, yes, I am uh, here today and uh, over in what I guess is the 1989 Batcave. I think this background is actually from the 92 sequel, Batman Returns. Oh, so, I think I
1: recognize the, the other car back there, yeah. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, no, 89 Batman. Uh, I, I guess I wanted to bring this movie up because um, this was the – uh, first off, I do want to say uh, uh, a very heartfelt farewell to Joel Schumacher. I know he got a lot of flack with Batman Forever, but that movie did financially put Warner Brothers back in a um, in a in a very good position because Batman Returns was sort of this crazy SNM freak show that I think turned off a lot of audiences. And forever, uh, although it wasn't quite my thing, it did uh, get people back into Batman in a way by being a little dark and still campy. And there's so many other films that Schumacher made, such as uh, uh my favorite one is 8mm, and then he did Falling Down. So he's got some good ones on his belt. But I thought of Batman 1989 because that was the movie that this mic stance sucks all right <laughs> just keeps yeah uh the, this was that was the movie that got me into making movies as a kid i remember if it was like 1980 that i was three years old when that movie came out i think i was Ooh. yeah i think i was about five when um like i actually could like un- understand it when i watched it And I just remember the only thing I knew about Batman before that was the Adam West uh, sort of live action cartoon with all of its sort of strange, silly tags. And then I saw this darker version of this character where I realized, oh, you can take the same thing, but you can make it completely different. And to me, that sort of introduced me to how you could take anything that you like and make it your own um, with a movie. And that it always was a huge impact on me. I owned all the toys as a kid. I had the Joker toy where if you stuck his face in water, it would become flesh colored. Uh, Yeah. I didn't even know
1: about that. Was that from the movie or is that a different iteration of the
0: action figures? uh, This was an action figure for the movie. This was Jack Nicholson, Joker. Uh, Oh, Yeah, that was like one of the first toys I had. So I think like was it wasn't flesh colored when you stuck it in water, so. I, but it was sort of like what they did with the prosthetic with Jack Nicholson in the movie, um, and I yeah I loved everything. I I loved that movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what so so I guess with, and I remember listening to the soundtrack to the film. Uh, I had it on a little cassette tape, right. And you know, it would have Danny Elfman's score. And I closed my eyes and imagined the Phantom of the Opera for some reason with that score. And oddly enough, I found out years later that when they're going up to the steps of the cathedral, that was Jack Nicholson's idea and John Peters' idea because they went to go see that very play that night. So then they sort of uh, uh, inadvertently created that whole climax of the film uh what what was your experience with uh with batman uh when it came out um
1: well i was 12 in 1989 um so this was a very big and important movie for me uh I was into comics. I'd been reading comics for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd read Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns by that point, but I was definitely aware of Batman and, and I, I liked the character. But I just remember the, the whole phenomenon of the Batman movie. This is pre-internet, but you know, I think it was Starlog and all the different entertainment like papers and zines out there were running pieces about. it. I think Premiere Magazine was the big thing back then and before EW. Uh, but I got so excited about it. I know there's a lot of people who are freaked out because uh, Michael Keaton was going to be Batman, like, Mr. Mom, really? Uh, yeah. The same thing we would see, you know, a decade and a half later with uh, Heath Ledger's Joker.
0: Or Robert Pattinson. Yeah.
1: Yes, but I'm still waiting. A jury's still out on Mr. Pattinson.
0: Oh, no. I mean, I think he'll be <laughs> fine. But the fan response is like, the Twilight guy was, you know, it was like, right. Just say, hey, mystery repeats itself. You'll see. I,
1: Yes, and I'm, I stand up for Robert Pattinson against that critique, mm-hmm. but I'm still waiting to reserve judgment because he might you know, not be that great a Batman. I don't know. I think it'll be a cool Bruce Wayne. I just don't know about the, the, the Bat character or maybe it's vice versa. Anyway, I remember my biggest memory was Mad Magazine, which I was a huge fan of, had Alfred E. Newman on the cover in the Bat Cowl. I thought that was the coolest thing. And I think I read that parody. I might have read it before I saw the Batman movie. Um, but going to see Batman for the first time, I saw it a number of times over the summer, I was just, I was blown away by it because as you mentioned, it's the darker version of you know the comics and what, we, what pop culture recognized as Batman. Um, however, watching it years later, I, I saw how kind of goofy it was. Um, and it's not as grim and gritty as certainly what Christopher Nolan uh, would do years later. In fact, it might have been the nolan ba- Nolan Batmans that forced me to reevaluate just how quote unquote dark the Tim Burton versions m- were <laughs> um, but uh yeah, I was enamored with it. I thought you know Nicholson's joker was just the coolest um, and i I really you know Keaton, I think is still my favorite uh Bruce Wayne um, and even to a certain extent my favorite Batman like I think if they had had the articulated cowl that they had in the the Nolan Batman movies instead of that stiff like single neck piece that keaton had it would have been just about perfect because there's only one shot where that really works in the film and that's where it's the shot in the trailer where the joker's laughing and then keaton turns around and it's just like this giant like full body twist with that scowl on his face and the zoom in um yeah that that really works but otherwise when he's fighting people it's just so like uh, i I feel like that version of batman would have been dead within like three attacks because (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> There's no nuance to his movements. That version um,
0: of anyone would have been dead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh so yeah, it's uh it was a really cool movie. I saw it a number of times. Um it was one of the first VHS tapes that I owned and (laughs) I was totally tripped out by the fact they had a a cool Diet Pepsi commercial (laughs) playing before the movie. Uh, Yeah, there's not much I can say about the the fan reaction from my point of view because, again, I was 12. It was like an adult kind of comic book movie and it really opened the floodgates for people taking comic book properties uh, seriously. Even though they didn't quite know what to do with them for the next decade and a half, uh, it still was nice to see someone treating the material as like, like every headline about the Batman movie would either open with or somewhere in the body of the text would be some variation of comics aren't for kids anymore. I'm like, well, yeah, I know, but it's good that other people are finally catching on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's good that other adults uh, know, and just the general populace that, you know, these aren't just made for, you know, for, uh, uh, for little kids. Um, But it's a yeah, it's amazing sort of the the marketing machine behind Batman was probably one of the most brilliant marketing films ever made. Whenever anybody sees that symbol, they immediately recognize what it is. And as fate would have it, I'm not sure if we're all interconnected in this world or not but if you've ever seen Christopher Nolan's following his very first feature mm-hmm. on Cobb's uh apartment door is the bat symbol and we're noticing oh yeah 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 i remember i saw that um I think, you know like uh i think maybe the first time i saw the movie or second time i don't know when but i saw it and I went oh my god that's the ba-. and he's directing the world is interconnected. This is so strange. Um, I and I do remember before uh, Batman Begins was announced, I thought to myself, um, "You know what would make the perfect Batman movie?" And I swear this isn't a lie, but eh, whatever. If people don't want to believe me. That's fine. Um, I thought to myself, "What would make a perfect Batman movie is if it was about how Batman became Batman." Because I've never seen an origin story. And if it was directed by Christopher Nolan and starring Christian Bale as Batman, I swear to God, I I thought that. And then I went on, it wasn't IMDB, it was some website called movie.com, and that was exactly what was on there. And I was like, oh my God, I could have made so much money. I could have been a producer on this. So it's incredible how that worked out. Uh, 31 years later, how do you think Batman holds up?
1: Well, let me confess something. Um, unlike most podcasts that I appear on and, and host, yeah. uh, I did not go back and watch all of the original Batman for this mm. because I actually watched it, I think, two years ago. Mm. And I'd watched it, I've watched it so many times over the last 30 years yeah. <laughs> that it's one of those things, it's like Pulp Fiction. I, I can recite that from beginning to end without having a fresh memory. As yeah. far as how well it holds up, I think I've gone through different phases where at first when I was 12, I thought it was like cool and grim and gritty. Then later I thought it was kind of goofy. Now it's that perfect balance of silliness, but absolute pathos. And you, know, you can really tell that Tim Burton uh, found that perfect, I hate to call it a property, but the perfect property to mix his weird dark obsessions uh, with something you know, wider in pop culture. Because I can't think of anyone of that era to direct batman that would have made any any sense so yeah, yeah. It's, it's still it's still an a plus uh for me
0: yeah i i really appreciate sort of the simplicity of batman compared to other comic movies because like every comic movie now you need to know about the character and their backstory and the this and the that and and here it was just here's batman he's a good guy here's joker he's a bad guy and here's how they're both similar because they're both kind of freaks. And Tim Burton has always – he always kind of always had one note as a director, which is the movie about the loners, the outsiders. You know, Batman, although he's a rich guy living in the middle of Gotham, uh, you know, his parents are dead. And he always has this darker side of him where he's going around fighting crime and there's that loner aspect to him. Uh, with the Joker, he's this guy who was a – well known criminal who got burnt in a vat of acid, was physically seen as a freak, and used that to his advantage to spread terror to everybody else. And of course, he really emphasized the loner, uh, sort of messaging with his sequel, which went way over the top and just turned into some like weird sex film, uh, essentially. Uh, you say that disapprovingly. <laughs> well, it it was it was a lot that I saw bat like I like Batman Returns for how different and 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 I guess you could say artistically bold it is, uh, but I like Batman because the studio was able to hold Tim Burton back a bit, you know, from doing all this crazy weird stuff with it, and I think that that's one of those few movies where I'll say that studio interference works to its advantage. And, yeah, Batman is the perfect mix of silly camp with dark and moody. It's not too dark, you know, as some would have it. Like, if you want to look at something that's too dark, you could look at Batman versus Superman. The title itself sounds goofy, you know. But Batman versus Superman, you have, like, people reaching out to Superman like he's Jesus, you know, all touching him when he's in the middle of Who knows where where it is. I don't want to say where it is because I sound racist. Some Mexican country. Um.
1: (laughs) That didn't sound racist at all. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) By not sounding racist, I sounded more racist. (laughs) Some
1: Mexican country. (laughs) Swing and a miss.
0: (laughs) Um, Oh, the Batman taco burrito. All right. uh.
1: (laughs) Well, they did have the Batman... uh, taco bell tie-in i remember i have i yeah. still have the cups <laughs> oh shit really <laughs> i don't remember if i if they did it for the first one i know for batman returns i definitely have uh some of those yeah with, yeah. with cat woman on them of course because i was obsessed <gasps> i was 15 when batman returns came out and i was all about michelle pfeiffer
0: just a little 15 year old boner for Michelle pfeiffer yeah
1: what do you mean little anyway
0: <laughs> <laughs> i still am all right but anyways uh yeah it it was um yeah that was uh, god i just mcdonald's advertising with batman returns and as i showed you i had the little batman toys they're like what's that black stuff coming out of the penguin's mouth you know like parents are coming like little kids are coming out of the theater crying and i didn't notice how dark it was but i remember i left the theater my mom's like what the hell was that you know but yeah
1: yeah, it wasn't until watching it years later and talking to you about Batman Returns, I think I really appreciated it. But again, that's more from an adult, like really weird perspective. It doesn't work as like a teenager's comic book movie, really, because there's so much yeah. adult pathos going on in it. But you know, the the original, it you know, it, it was a monster. It hit, so everyone kind of responded to it, even beyond the fascination of opening weekend or two. People were
0: going back to, you know, to soak it all up. To see it again and again, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, yeah, it was sort of the precursor to the internet. It was the precursor to the Phantom Menace in a way. And it it, it kind of became a life of its own. It, it, it created sort of the hyped-up blockbuster. Like, Star Wars created the blockbuster, but Batman really emphasized it. And the producers on that film did a wonderful job differentiating it because... Richard Donner's Superman, which was wonderful and a huge shit for DC and Warner Brothers. I think Warner Brothers wanted to kind of just make, you know, another light, fluffy, happy, happy Batman. And the producers on this film said, no, 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 no. These are wildly different characters. And they decided with Batman to really emphasize the darkness to it. And there was that initial fear when, you know, Michael Keaton was announced that, oh, no, we're going back to Adam West and all that. And that's when they created, I think, to uh, kill down a lot of the fans hype, that uh, minute and a half trailer to the movie. Um, And immediately when that trailer came out, people would be going to the to the cineplex just to see the trailer. And then they leave before the actual movie started. And they would even sell VHSs of that trailer at like comic book conventions for these astronomically high prices. And people would be going uh, by bus signs and ripping off the bat logo for buses. It was everywhere. And that was one of the, the most, br- like, in terms of cutting the trailer, it wasn't a particularly amazingly edited trailer. But it gave you an idea right away as to what the mood of this film was going to be. This wasn't happy and zip-wap-bop. This was a much darker take on something. I, I mean, did you see the trailer when you were 12? Or were, 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 were you just kind of aware of it?
1: No, I'm I'm pretty sure. I No, I, I definitely did. But help me out with this one. My recollection of it is that it did not have any score to it. It was just the dialogue and the sort of the the sound effects. Mm -hmm. And that really stood out to me, especially thinking about it now. It's crazy because Danny Elfman had such an iconic score. And then, of course, there are the the kind of Prince songs that you see associated with it. But to really strip everything out, it just makes it really weird. It feels like it somehow... Uh, if you're trying to sell this as the grim and gritty version of Batman, it really helps because it even takes out that pretext of like, oh, here's a, here's a summer blockbuster fun movie. No, this is just a bunch of messed up people (laughs) running around, like screaming and laughing at each other and blowing shit up. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely, I I love that, that trailer. And especially what I was talking about earlier, that scene where Keaton flips or turns around because he hears the Joker behind him or whatever, that, that turnaround and that zoom in on his face, that kind of like, oh shit moment is just, that's an iconic, you know, <laughs> five seconds of cinema that I'll always remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, th- th- uh, they did put in Elfman's uh, score in the trailer, but it wasn't until the very, very end of it. Okay. They put in sort of like the final little beat of uh, Batman scene. Um, but yeah, mostly the trailer was sound effects. And yeah, I do know what's uh, seen your time where he turns around, you hear the Joker's laugh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the camera pushes it in, and you're like, oh, this is a dark Batman. And there's even the, the scene where he grabs the thug from the beginning of the film, pulls him up to his face. He goes, what are you? He goes, I'm Batman. You're like, oh, Michael Keaton actually is believable as this. Like, this is and, – and by God, this is the real Batman. And I have to say Michael Keaton, in my opinion, is the best Batman and the best bruce wayne um because keaton when 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 they were filming that movie they were trying to figure out keaton was he thought it would be pretty obvious that uh, to anyone that 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 bruce wayne is batman so how would he hide that so he decided to play his voice at a lower octave to sort of mask it and now everyone who's played batman has done that. I mean, with the exception of Kevin Conroy, who kind of just plays him at a regular sort of tone of voice. The only difference is when uh, he's Bruce Wayne, he's more up and, oh, hey, how are you with that, man? You know, he's a little more down. But it's like the same exact voice. But as a cartoon, you can get away with that. But everything live action was copied from what Keaton did. And Michael Keaton didn't have to hit a gym and gain 40 pounds of muscle and all that. All he had to do was just kind of be believable as this person who would be this rich billionaire, but you could always tell there's something off with him. And Michael Keaton kind of has that natural thing where he's tilting his head around all the time and kind of looks like he doesn't know where he is or what, you know, like he's sort of somewhere else mentally. And that kind of fits with him as Batman because you could just look into his eyes, which is how Keaton sort of, cast him was because of his eyes and you could just tell through those eyes like christ even his his eyebrows are shaped like a bat you know <laughs> if you think about it <laughs> that they really are Look on his trailers it's true uh that that this guy would I'll have, be, to, I'll have to look and, at that yeah like this guy would be what would, would go out in the middle of the night and well in that version murder a bunch of bad guys now i guess that's one thing with batman that i guess people took issue with was that he killed bad guys back then uh i didn't have a problem with it i think it was the 1980s people didn't really have much of an issue i realized recently that tim burton is actually dyslexic so he can't read which explains a lot of his movies hmm. and yeah, I guess I guess that's why he couldn't read a lot of the Batman comics. He just kind of saw the pictures. But that's maybe why he didn't understand the whole no the no killing code. Well, I mean that's the as far as killing, I don't
1: and again, I'm sorry, it's been a while since i a little while since I watched it. I don't recall him actually straight up murdering criminals. He does things like he'll send the Batmobile into the Axis chemical plant where it drops the bombs and the rolls away. So he's blown people up, and but like even the the alley fight, right, where he's going after the guy with the samurai sword or whatever, he just I get the feeling he kind of knocks him out, like yeah, and leaves him there. And aside from like the Joker, I mean, he reached out and tried to to save him as he was falling over that vat of acid. Yeah. Did he actually purposely? kill people in this movie or is it just sort of like there are bad guys who happen to be in the way when he was doing stuff
0: well i think batman would have gone out of his way to not kill people but yeah the chemical plant he did just blow them up into smithereens and then there's the guy he fought in the clock tower where he puts his like hands or his his legs over the guy's head and he tosses him to his doom
1: yeah yeah there there is that i just i guess uh Hmm.
0: Hang on one would- second. sorry about that <laughs> no everything all right yeah yeah, yeah. If someone was knocking on my apartment door nah. <laughs> they wouldn't leave me alone they kept knocking and i wanted to yell go away <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but no as far as uh you know batman killing people i feel like you know it is made a point in the say the nolan movies where he's you know he doesn't want to kill folks but And He had more of an advantage of being more mysterious and be able to take on people sort of one at a time when he was Batman, not when he was doing the League of Shadows training. But with the Keaton thing, he was he was up against a lot of like gangs of goons in that movie. So even when he threw the guy over the bell tower thing, I don't see that as him like, I'm about to kill you. It's just like this guy is coming at me. And I'm on top of, I'm on a stairwell, a rickety stairwell in a bell tower. Either he's going over or I am. So it's, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. see it more of, more of deep, defensive than offensive in a lot of those cases.
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, I do wonder though, with uh, the sequel though, is kind of, he, he does the straight up murder people. Like he sets a guy on fire with the, uh, with, with the tail end of the Batmobile. And then he smiles before he punches a guy over a bridge and blows him up with explosives.
1: Because it was cool. No, um.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's what Tim Burton thought, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is reading uh, the comics, that was never something that I really keyed into about how Batman is like the moral villain who's got a thing about killing people. Because I saw him do it you know it would happen uh, in the comics now mostly i was reading alternative stuff like the dark knight returns or the killing joke um where he was is a much darker take on the character but that was never a deal breaker for me i'm like you know you can leave the boy scout stuff to superman
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> uh but yeah i i mean i think that's how they differentiated it too like batman isn't a boy scout he'll he'll kill you and again this wasn't meant to be completely 100 comic book accurate you know Mm -hmm. and my introduction to batman was through the cinema not through the comics you know the 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 cinema was uh the, 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 the that was sort of i didn't really care to read the comics that much to be honest like they had the animated series and all that but i'm like no i just like i just like the tim burton batman like that's all i wanted to see so it's uh, I guess it's different depending on the people on how they saw that character.
1: Yeah. Have you ever read The Killing Joke?
0: Yeah, I own it.
1: Okay. Yeah, good. Because um, that that was sort of the perfect confluence of the, the late 80s for a movie like this to come out. Um, and I think that, I don't have any proof of this, but I feel like that sort of indirectly set the tone for, you know, getting licensed to do that darker Batman is what, you know, Alan Moore and, and Frank Miller had done with their sort of Elseworlds graphic novels that really got people, you know, also death in the family, you know, where they killed Robin a, a couple of years earlier is right about that same time. Um, so yeah, Batman just, he was, <laughs> he had blood all over him. In fact, I'm almost surprised that the version we got right out of the gate was as tame as it was.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It, it's fun. I, I always loved how everyone, you that they asked people, if they wanted Robin to live or die, and unanimously they just voted for him to be dead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I still get flashes of.
1: Uh, ha- have you read Death in the Family? I-, I keep asking these questions. I'm aware. Really. So
0: what- I'm aware of it. I know that there was an explosion inside of a warehouse where they uh, uh, the Joker had robin in there and then they ask everybody if he was alive or dead and then you find out that everyone voted that he died in that explosion and like the 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 first graphic is batman holding robin up dead in his arms
1: yeah and leading up to that i mean it's it's a really great story and yeah. it's 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 pretty twisted but uh robin did die in that explosion but the joker beat him practically to death. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, It's an iconic series of panels. I don't remember if it's the whole page or if it's just like a row of pages or panels, but you see him just with this crowbar going up down up down it's like an animatic just being the shit out of robin and you don't really see his body you just see the joker and the blood kind of like gra- <laughs> gradually getting more and more uh it's horrifying
0: and i think about that image probably more than i should i don't know why <laughs> i think maybe it scarred you in some way i don't know probably oh, yeah yeah um but the, the, the way uh 89 age though uh do you do you think um Would you be open, I guess I should ask, uh, to Michael Keaton? Because there's rumors of him returning as Batman in this Flash universe thing. But would you be okay if Michael Keaton returned one more time as Batman in, let's say, like a Tim Burton sequel, like a one-off to the end of a trilogy that never was? I don't
1: need to see it. I mean, as much as I like... Uh, the Keaton Batman we're talking about 31 years ago I don't know how yeah. old he was when he made this I, I peg him at about 35 or so which is one of the things I liked about his Bruce Wayne is that unlike Christian Bale or even Val Kilmer this is a Batman who's been around for a while and he's an adult you know yeah. that might be why he's so kind of free willing with things he's like moral codes are for newbies <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> um- I've done this shit for a while they keep coming back <laughs> Right, <laughs> if I don't take him out now,
1: he's gonna kill you know a busload of nuns, and then I have to deal with him again. Yeah. But, uh, as far as that, I mean, so I don't know how old Michael Keaton is now, he's probably in his 60s, maybe even if maybe think, pushing 70. Yeah, he's 69, I think. Yeah, perfect. Um, now I'm thinking about that Michelle Pfeiffer again. Uh, anyway. <laughs> If it's if we saw him in a Flash Elseworlds movie or in a new iteration of Batman, it would likely be it's not going to be him in the full costume. Yeah. It's going to be him as like the old man who is advising the new Batman or, or whatever. is like, hey, didn't you used to be Batman kind of a thing? I just yeah. don't see him swinging off buildings or, you know, punching guys. <clears throat> I don't know if it was you that mentioned uh, the Harrison Ford Blade Runner 2049 thing and there was something else. Uh, I saw on Facebook, one of my friends had mentioned like everyone's so hyped about Keaton coming back as Batman. Uh, just remember like Harrison Ford coming back as Indiana Jones and then Blade Runner it's not necessarily as awesome as you might have hoped
0: yeah Um, yeah
1: so that's the thing love Michael Keaton loved him as the character but this gave me all the closure I need if he shows up and it's like a a two-minute thing like they're like something funny like they're flashing through all these different parallel realities and they walk into a room and there's you know bruce wayne sitting in the bat cave brooding over something still that could be kind of cute but i got i kind of got my batman closure with keaton with birdman yeah
0: yes that was a wonderful i I, you know michael keaton's really proved to be quite the actor over the years you know he's he's really just a, a wonderful to watch uh god yeah i mean he did birdman and and what else did he do that was quite amazing he did well i wasn't a big fan of that printing press movie that he did that won the oscar uh what the hell i can't remember the name of it because it was so forgettable mm, um, i don't remember either yeah see and like every writer <laughs> drooled over it because it was about a writer and that's about a. was it the paper? <laughs> No. Uh no, it was something about a bunch of guys in Boston who who like uncovered the... Oh
1: Spotlight, yes.
0: Yeah, Spotlight. That's yeah. it, yeah.
1: <laughs> the Bostonians. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I Michael Keaton is one of those folks who kind of just is a whack-a-mole career. He'll be, you know, in a lot of movies and then he'll disappear for like a decade it seems, and then he'll pop up and it's like, Oh shit, it's Michael Keaton. He was in that uh, that horror movie White Noise uh years and years ago. <laughs> Yeah. did you see that
0: yeah i saw parts of it i always made a joke because my dad will always listen to static radio stations <laughs> and i'm like my dad and michael <laughs> keaton would go to a white noise concert my dad would be like asleep where the <laughs> radio's going michael keaton would just be doing his head thing trying to hear what's in the white noise like what, what? Huh? You know? so
1: but i thought I really liked white noise and I thought he was really good in it. And that made me appreciate like, Oh, what, what was Michael Keaton up to at that point? Um, Yeah. So a plus, I just don't know. I just don't need to see a revival of Batman, especially because I'm confused because a couple months ago, the story was that Ezra Miller had like assaulted a fan on, you know, in some European bars. you, you bar, want so... me to
0: choke you? You want me to choke?
1: right? So, I thought mm. he was
0: canceled and the movie was canceled, but now it's back on, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know, just recast Ezra Miller. He sucks, <laughs> nobody needs him, and <laughs> little brat, you know, that's what I think of him. Uh, but it, it's uh, when you think of uh, 1989 Batman, it really was sort of it kind of opened the gates to. The type of comic book movies that we see today, like not the Marvel stuff, but it kind of makes DC to this day the dark ones, you know. Like ever since Batman, DC's like, we have to make the dark movie, whether like even with Suicide Squad or some stupid shit like that, you know, they have to kind of play up that angle, which they try to do light and fluffy with um, Shazam. Which worked to a certain extent, but I think Batman sort of established DC's logo in a certain way. And then subsequently doing that with Man of Steel just kind of felt like a cheap knockoff. Like, it's it's Superman. The word super is in his title. We don't need to go there. <laughs> it, it, it seems a little confusing to me. But I, I don't know. What, what do you think of DC's state now? Now I think it's, well... <laughs> You'd this,
1: <laughs> if you had asked me before I watched Birds of Prey, or sorry, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, I would have said DC is in pretty good shape. Yeah. Because I, I liked Shazam. Um, I was also a fan of, well, I should say I really liked Aquaman because it was different. Ever since Wonder Woman, they seem to have been taking steps in a more optimistic uh, direction and making more fun comic book movies. I wasn't a fan of uh, Wonder Woman because I thought it was just an okay superhero movie uh but i am kind of excited to see wonder woman 84 because i'm like now they've gotten that out of their system what more can they do with this character i forgot Uh, they
0: made that movie (laughs) what wonder woman 84 yeah because of the pandemic i'm like oh yeah that was supposed to come out wasn't it yeah
1: yeah i think it's i think they're still trying to figure out much like everything else on on their slate they're trying to figure out you know if and when and how uh they're gonna drop it so Mm. yeah i'm 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 cool to see that but i saw harley quinn and that's still also sort of a goofy comic book movie but it's almost too much of a cartoon about a really uninteresting character if you're going to play her kind of light and fluffy um i'd almost rather see a grim and gritty version of harley quinn honestly um but as far as the other dc stuff leading up to that like with man of steel and then justice league and all that other nonsense Kind of like we were talking about before, how you don't want to make Batman a Boy Scout. You also don't want to take the Boy Scout of Superman and turn him into Batman, which is Mm -hmm. sort of the whole problem. Like, I remember Man of Steel, the trailer for that, the teaser, is one of my favorite trailers of all time because it sells this really cool movie that is completely underserved by the actual film.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Superman should not be a dick.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. Well, even I'm, I'm even okay with, with Pa Kent saying, you know, maybe you should let them die because it is a really interesting moral quandary. He wasn't saying it uh, as in, you know, you you know, fuck them. He was saying, I think, (laughs) I think, I think he said, I think Clark at that point had said, what, what was I supposed to do? Let them die. And I think he said, maybe, Yeah. because it's like, what which is the greater threat to humanity? People finding out that <laughs> you're a space god or you know, 25 kids on a bus getting killed. Yeah, I'm not saying either answer is right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying you could really explore that. And maybe Clark develops his morality in spite of what Pa Kent thinks, which would be an interesting twist on the origin. Um, th- so many possibilities in that movie, but they turned him into the Superman 3 version of Superman, which is supposed okay. to be, the offbeat, like, oh, this is really wrong
0: version of Superman versus the guy that you go to the movies to root for. Are, are you referring to when Superman was drunk in a bar, yeah, and using peanuts as like a weapon? He's like, "What well, you look at?" That! <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I loved that he he ha- he actually slept with Lex Luthor's. His uh, one female henchman, the blonde with the curly hair. Yeah, like it's it's intimated that they had sex, and then later, after he came back and he was all good, she was like, "What about the other night?" And he's like, "I don't remember that at all." Or <laughs> 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 or or it was, or it was maybe it was something like that wasn't me or something like that. That's just that's twisted. Yeah,
0: yeah. Superman's full of shit. At least Batman knows <laughs> that he's dark yeah, at least batman <laughs> knows that he does some bullshit and you know what anyone can beat superman anyone everyone's cool like, superman can beat anyone like no it's the other way around just have a magical glowing green thing and then he'll die it's like but it's hard to get who cares you just have it he's dead anyone can beat him a drunk homeless guy could beat him you could just like fucking throw a bottle of it at him
1: Well, yeah, but you could also say the same thing with Batman. If you get Lex Luthor with a nuclear weapon, you just shoot it at Wayne Manor.
0: Okay, but a nuclear weapon's harder to launch than to hold a little piece of kryptonite and be like, ah, got you. (sighs) I
1: I can see where you're coming from. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn it. Yeah, I I mean, a nuclear weapon takes a lot of effort to launch. (laughs) You know, yeah. Yeah, when the theaters come back, do you think we could have another huge blockbuster release like Batman again?
1: Eventually, sure. Well, potentially, because that's a whole other—that's like a six-hour show right there. Because, like, if the theaters come back, how long will it take them to get to their full capacity? Where there'll be enough interest and people going in large enough numbers that the theaters will be given a chance to get back to the full capacity or it's like, hey, we're open but no one's showing up because they're so scared it's costing us all this money to keep the lights on and popping popcorn we got to shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is, if they do come back and there's enough demand for people to see it in a theater, the movies are probably going to have to become shorter unless theaters start doing round the clock screenings like they did for Avengers Endgame, where it's like, yeah, we've got a three thirty AM screening. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you're not going to have, you know, for movies that are kind of want to be blockbusters, like not the proven quantities, like there's a new comic book property and they're like, this could be the next big thing or it become the next bloodshot there. If they're still two and a half hours long, you're not going to have a theater saying, yeah, we'll have round the clock screenings to accommodate the fact that our audiences are now at 50% or 25% capacity to make up the revenue that they would have had if it had been hundred yeah. percent. If any of that makes
0: sense. I think absolutely it does. I think when I, I I'd say give it two or three years, we could have that again, because I think the theaters will rebuild themselves into different type of theaters and Batman would be one of those big blockbuster movies that you can only see in theaters for a limited time. So I think it's possible to get there, but it's not going to be anytime soon. Uh, in terms of blockbusters today, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with those. I guess Christopher Nolan's willing to murder a bunch of people just so they could see his movie. But <laughs> it's it's weird.
1: Well, it's not. It's not so much. That's the thing. Is it's not so much murder. It's it's more of just an attitude. Like if Warner Brothers is going to let him put it out, yeah. Because I mean, he's got some say, but it's ultimately the studio that decides. Yeah, I don't know if that's out.
0: his decision. I don't know if the press is saying Christopher Nolan wants this film to come out on my. I was like, is it really Christopher Nolan or is it Warner Brothers?
1: Right, and on top of that, Warner's has well. I know with Harley Quinn, they did a thing where, because that came out just before the pandemic theatrically. And then it was Mm -hmm. within a month, I think, that it was out on VOD. So I would be surprised if Warners didn't try and pull something like a day of release VOD or very fast follow with that so that Mm -hmm. if you're wanting to go out and see it in a theater, you can. Or if you want to watch it at home, you can. It'll be 20 bucks like everything else. But as far as murdering people, it's all choice, right? Right. Like there are gonna be people who are gonna like wait out for the vaccine or wait for, you know, people to get along further in phase four and probably hear anecdotal stories about like, hey, AMC or the music box has been open for a month. There have been no contact tracing cases of COVID nineteen or various insignificant amounts. There's no one who's died. You know, they're gonna wait it out. But there are gonna be people who'll be like, not necessarily the same folks who are going to the beaches without masks on. I'm not talking about them, but the people sort of in the middle who are like, I want to go out to the movies. And these theaters are taking precautions. They're hand sanitizing everything. It's 50% capacity. You have to wear a mask unless you're eating your popcorn. I want to go see this movie on the big screen. So they're going to figure it out. And depending on what kind of experience Christopher Nolan has made for everybody, they're either going to come back and say, man, I am so glad I saw this in the big screen. Or they're going to be like, "You can watch. if you've got a a 60-inch TV at home, it's the same thing
0: yeah yeah i heard that movie literally kills um i can't wait to see it uh but yeah i guess with with that said uh batman 89 it it, it aged like fine wine in my opinion and uh for now i guess uh just enjoy the vast library of movies that already exist there's stuff coming out on demand that you could see that's coming out now i wasn't a big fan of greyhound but there's other stuff coming out.
1: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see Greyhound. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have any idea what it's even about except that it's Tom Hanks. And when I first saw the story or saw the title, I thought it was about a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I, I think you're thinking of that Russell Crowe movie where he's uh, a, an angry driver. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. I actually kind of really want to see that movie. It looks so bad. It looks good. you know it's just russell crowe being russell crowe with like a southern accent Like, you cut me off in traffic i'm mad wow i'm like oh man like is there gonna be a scene where he grabs like a telephone and throws it at someone (laughs) just like i took this telephone from the hotel and brought in the car with me take that bitch and he just throws it at her (laughs)
1: It sounds like they've turned that South Park meme of Russell Crowe fighting around the world yeah. and turned it into a movie. <laughs> Come on, Tucker!
0: Hey, Russell Crowe fighting around the world. You ever see that, uh, that, that South Park reference to Tim Burton? I don't think so. Oh, God. You just look up South Park Tim Burton's. They're just like everyone here sucks. No one can make fun of anybody like Tim Burton here. How would you like it if people said that you don't that you just make all the same dumb movies ever since Beetlejuice and you keep on using Dan Danny Elfman's same score and you use uh, Johnny Depp so much that you might have sex that you should have sex with him already. You know, a cartoon that doesn't make fun of things would never be able to say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, speaking of which, Tim Burton needs a win because man. I think he has a very limited chest of ideas. Like he's a, he's an animated guy. He comes from an animated background with Cal arts and sort of the still motion stuff he did with Frank and weenie before it was a feature and all that. And then he just kind of became this person who just rehashes everything. Like let's put Johnny Depp in something and, you know, put a silly hat on him and then he can do a silly voice and dance around in front of the screen. Oh he's the mad hatter. Oh he's Sweeney Todd. Oh he's uh Michael Jackson. I mean he's Willy Wonka. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, I he needs to divorce himself from the franchise. This is divorce himself from Disney because my god, the Alice in Wonderland and then Dumbo. <laughs> oh, just uh
0: the I, worst I, child I, actors I've seen in like years
1: seriously i mean it's it, those were those kids i don't, I don't want to knock child performers um i don't want to relive the jake lloyd situation but yeah that
0: that was bad that was um,
1: that was almost child abuse saying like hey you're good enough to be in this movie
0: <laughs> yeah hey you um, want to take years yeah. of abuse well jake look now that's a story i would love to see adapted into a film like what happened to his life because it's 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 horrible it's tragic any adult making and of course they came from my school who who columbia college who were who were torturing this poor kid you know they making fun of him like oh you're phantom menace like some kid had like a phantom menace backpack he turned around and showed him. it's like how fucking old are you man You're, you're in college, you're an adult and you're making fun of somebody through something that could be a a scarring childhood memory. And you think that's cute. Like how much of a fucking pussy ass bitch are you to do that?
1: I saw him at, I think it was wizard world, Chicago, a number of years ago. Mm. And he was on the convention floor, I guess, signing autographs. And at one point I walked by him and he was just kind of sitting with his arms crossed at his table nobody was coming up to him. And he just looked really, he looked angry, but he looked more sad. And then I circled back like 20 minutes later and he was just gone. Like it was the middle of the day. I think he just got up and left. I felt just bad for him. Um, Honestly, if you want to see an adaptation of the Jake Lloyd story, I don't know for a fact that they're the same thing, but did you ever see honey boy, the Shia LaBeouf movie from last year? Yeah. I have a feeling that's kind of the same uh, wavelength.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I don't know if his uh, dad was like a circus performing clown or whatever, and he lived in a motel. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but
1: you don't know that that's not the case.
0: His mom was his agent, uh, actually, who basically like pushed to get him in that movie, and like he struck her, and then ran off in a car, and you know got that high speed chase with the cops. <sighs> And then, of course, every jerk on the internet wrote, no, this is pod racing. Like, wow, fuck you.
1: I'm sorry to say it, but that's the first thing that popped in my head when you were saying
0: <laughs> I know. I know it was. <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing that popped in everyone's head. It's terrible. Just imagine that. It's like, ah, you punched your mom and got a high-speed chase, but, hey, that Star Wars reference. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, so bad.
0: Yeah, um, on that note. No, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, we
1: we were talking about Batman a few years ago uh when well, this podcast started. No.
0: <laughs> if you want to talk about someone who had a, a tremendous I know, but you know me, I have ADD uh, and somehow miraculously I'm pressed now. Uh <laughs> congratulations by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you talked about this on air? I've missed it. Yeah, we we have. I, I, I basically just stripped naked and been like, ah, I finally pressed! Ah! No, I just kidding, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just got full on obnoxious and just start name dropping people left and right. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no. Uh, no. Uh, but speaking of someone who has a traumatic childhood background, Jake Lloyd is to become the next Batman. Except he wouldn't fight criminals. He just fight like people who bullied him and just murder him. Um... <laughs> That'd
1: be cool, especially if those people actually coincidentally were criminals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's like, why are you? Kill- I'm not a criminal. I have an excuse now. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, but no, Batman, 1989. Uh, you know what? It's a timeless classic. I like it. It was a movie that was sort of made on a whim. You know, they were kind of writing it as they went along. They 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 had a story outlined. <laughs> Um, It was thanks to, I think his I I can't remember his name at the top of my head. I got to pull up my notes, but he kind of was the reason, the executive producer, Michael E. Uslin,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I met him uh, years ago in Florida Mm. um, and I think I met his son. He was... There was a comic book company called cross gen entertainment, which put out a bunch of like comics and they were on the verge of getting a bunch of like big name directors to do film adaptations uh and so i was hanging out with the ceo of the company and he introduced me to michael uselin i don't think i knew who he was at that point but it was like later i was looking up because the guy kept making a big deal like oh this is the guy i'm like who the fuck is oh my god he produced batman Um, (laughs) (laughs) hopefully you didn't say
0: who the hell is this in front of him no no no
1: no i was just thinking it in my head yeah um yeah
0: Yeah, well, yeah, saying what you think in your head out loud. Who are you, the president? All right, (laughs) gotta squeeze that in there. Uh, yeah, no, Michael Useland, like he he, that movie really kind of happened because uh, he had this class in Indiana University, and there was this professor who, or basically the dean of the college, not this professor, uh, he opened up this this option for a student to come up with a uh, an accredited curriculum course and his course idea was on comic books so he comes to the dean's office and the dean says to him so you're the guy who wants to make a an accredited class off of funny books why look i love superman mr uselin i grew up with him But comic books aren't serious pieces of literature. Why do you want to do this? Uslan says to his professor, so you told me that you're a big fan of Superman, right? He's like, oh, yeah. Like I said, when I was a kid, he's like, well, do you know the story of Moses? Sure, he's this little kid. Uh, you know, his, he's, uh, his town's about to be burnt down. Uh, you know, he's placed in a wicker basket and he's uh transported over to Egypt where the people raise him as one of their own and he becomes like this god. Hey, that's great, thanks. You said you're familiar with Superman, yeah. Do you know the origin story of Superman? Sure. Uh, it's planet Krypton. Uh, his mother and father are these two scientists. His planet's about to be blown up. He winds up on earth where a couple from Kansas raises him and makes him one of their own. And then he stops and he goes, your course is accredited. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think I'd heard a version of that story, but not certainly the way that you've told it. It's very good. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is the, the mid, 80s, especially mid to late 80s, was a great time for comics. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Art Spiegelman's *Mouse*. Mm-mm. It won the Pulitzer. Um, there's actually two volumes of it, and it is a a, a story about the Holocaust, and as a metaphor, uh, it's a graphic novel. It's all you know comics, these great black and white illustrations of the cats are nazis and the mice are the jews Um, and they have some different animal allegories but it's the story of uh this survivor telling his i think it was his son his son was wanting to do a comic about the holocaust so he talked to his father and it's this beautiful several hundred page story uh definitely pick it up i think it was the the first graphic novel maybe even the only one i'm probably getting this wrong to win the pulitzer but uh, i read that I think it was the same year, or maybe it was the year before I saw Batman. Wow. So I was already on the wavelength of, like, yeah, fuck you, comics are for kids. I lent that to that graphic novel to my teacher at the time, my seventh grade teacher, and she read it in a weekend. And she came back, and when she handed it back to me, she had tears in her eyes. She was like, thank you for letting me read this book. I never knew it could be this. Yeah. Well, no, she, she'd yeah. never like doubted me or anything. It's just uh, that she, I was like, you should check this out. And she's like, okay, <laughs> sure. So, her credit she took me seriously which is yeah. a mistake that other people have made too
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the name of it again the mouse just mouse it's m-a-u-s oh not without the e mouse graphic M-
1: yeah it's m-a-u-s it's like the the german spelling of it yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Mouse! <laughs> oh yeah mouse i am But no, uh, having said that, you know what, Batman is something that can be taken seriously. As we saw with Christopher Nolan, I mean, he really made a very, you know, Batman Begins was a great origin story. Dark Knight was sort of this great sort of meta viewpoint on the idea of hope and latching on to other people who can uh, bring that idea towards us. And of course, Rice's was about finding hope in ourselves. So you see and nolan's a a brilliant, brilliant filmmaker to adapt that and hopefully one day we can get another hopefully this new batman will be amazing i'm waiting for uh a a new comic book sort of adaptation that can break ground i think uh the television version of watchmen was phenomenal that which i haven't caught up with that oh when you catch up with it let me know it's absolutely fantastic yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. And I've read the graphic novel as well. Uh maybe one day we could talk about uh um Zack Snyder's adaptation of the movie, which is eh, you know, <laughs> it was okay. I watched yeah.
1: that somewhat recently, like within the yeah. last few months. Um, I think during the pandemic, so it feels like it was five years ago. Yeah. But um yeah, it's uh it's, it's kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. It it's like you know, I appreciate what you're trying to say, but, dude, the slow motion and the music, it's like your own style just chokes out the story. That and Malin Ackerman. Uh, nice girl. Not much of an actress. But, yeah. All right. Well, watch, thanks. Watch, watch, before you before you write off Malin Ackerman,
1: watch a movie called Final Girls if you okay. haven't seen it. Um, she's very good in that. Okay. It's a supporting role, but she's very good.
0: Okay. I'm going to guess this sort of plays to her to her uh to her style in a way Kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> okay well i certainly uh shall check that out but no thank you for coming on for reminiscing about batman 1989 if you can find the vhs state with bugs bunny advertising all the warner brothers stuff on
1: oh, it <laughs> i loved that, that yeah. yeah get your That's batman re- cap get your
0: batman yeah
1: it's all in the catalog <laughs> yeah it's all <laughs> in the catalog
0: <laughs> oh wow it's like south park with the member berries you know remember that yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm trying not to get stuck in the member berries with this with, with, with this nostalgic stuff but it's all we have now because everything's gone all right <laughs> pretty much
1: on that cheery note yeah uh, thank you for having me on this has been a lot of fun
0: yeah no thank you as always my friend check out ian simmons at kickseat.com with his kicking the seat podcast you can catch me at ypareviews.com the ypa stands for you'll probably agree see you later folks bye Way they get a load of Ha, ha, ha!